Hello everybody and welcome into episode number 43 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We're reading Acts chapter 15 and our focus today is on how do we handle disputes when it's unclear who is right. So welcome to the podcast. We're a daily 10-minute show that focuses on one chapter of the Bible a day, seeking to get truth out of that. Welcome to new listeners in Finland and China. No cities listed. Also Punjab, India, Ontario, Canada, Jefferson City, Missouri, Dallas, Texas, and Seattle, Washington. Thank you all for listening. Be sure and check out our webpage for show notes at Bible2021.com, Bible2021.com. First, let's lead off with some listener commentary from our friend Where What Ha, huh, who says, I've been told that using the Lord's name in vain most specifically means trying to use it as an incantation or to try invoke invoke the presence of God as if he were required to appear at your command. Many Hebrew names were compounded with Yahweh or variants of it, such as Elijah, which is El Elohim, plus Jah, a form of Yahweh, or Yeshua, which is Yahweh saves. So clearly, a respectful use of God's name is acceptable. By contrast, Jesus tells us to definitely use his name. He orders us to pray in his name and to ask blessings from God in the name of Jesus. We must understand in this latter case that asking in Jesus' name is to ask what Jesus would ask were he the one asking. In other words, to pass on the order that he has given us. So we must not ask for things in Jesus' name that are not for the will of, in the will of God. For instance, we're not going to ask for heroin in the name of Jesus as one example. Excellent points where what, huh? Thank you for that commentary on our episode on God's name. Next, we move on to a most difficult but commonly encountered subject. Acts 15 is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. I love the Jerusalem Council and the result of that meeting. I love less, however, the sharp dispute between Paul and Barnabas in this chapter. Previously, a guy named John Mark, who was apparently Barnabas's cousin, had accompanied Paul and Barnabas along on their evangelistic meeting, but something happened. Luke doesn't tell us much about what happened, but Acts 13.13 13 says... Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga in Pamphylia, but John left them and went back to Jerusalem. Now, apparently it was more than just John Mark said, see you guys around and left, because in Acts 15, 37-39, it says Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyrus. So, John Mark abandoned or deserted Paul and Barnabas, at least in Paul's view, and when Barnabas wanted to take him along and give him a second chance, this led to a big disagreement between the two of them, resulting in their separation as a team. Sad, isn't it? I consider it a hallmark of authenticity, though, that the Bible includes this description of this argument. It really shows that Acts is not a propaganda piece for the apostles. Well, who was right? Was Paul right or Barnabas right? And the fascinating thing for us is the Bible doesn't even say or give us a hint who was right. I'll give you my opinion. I sort of think Barnabas was closer, even though I'm a big Paul fan. Uh, But I think Barnabas was closer because mercy triumphs over everything and all, but 
I really have no idea because we don't know the details of John Mark's abandonment, how bad it was or what it was really. This episode, however, raises a big and important question, one that you and I face very frequently. How do we act when it's unclear who's right? Like when when I have an opinion, you have a different opinion, and the Bible doesn't tell us which is the right way. So the Bible is 100% truth and uh, truth and 100% inerrant, but it doesn't give us advice for every si- single situation we're going to face, just like this one. A small selection of disagreements just can't be fully answered by the Bible. For instance, pews or chairs, guitars used in worship or not. Should we relocate our church building? Should we prefer a single pastor, a married pastor, or a team of pastors? Should we sing psalms only, or are psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs okay? And I could go on. The fact is that all of us have witnessed or been a part of disagreements like that that can't be immediately and obviously answered by the Word of God. At least one of the parties would say that. I note here that many seem to claim that the Bible is not clear on issues that it is explicitly and 100% clear on. Sometimes we wish to ignore the truth or consider it outdated or explain it away. I'm not referring to that sort of thing in this episode, but more along the lines of what we find with Paul and Barnabas disagreements that we can't go to the Bible and say, well, chapter and verse, this is what we do when somebody abandons us on a missionary trip. Well, I want to give us three pointers from the Word of God for how to handle such disagreements where we can't find agreement in the Word of God. Number one, we must make every effort to maintain unity even in disagreement. That seems to be more important than who is right sometimes when the Bible doesn't clearly state which position is right. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. That's a great passage to read if you're going to have a disagreement with somebody. Second principle, above all, love the person you might disagree with. 1 Peter 4, 8 says, above all, maintain constant love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Finally, we need to work towards agreement. Even if it seems impossible, humbly seek to understand the other side and for you yourself to be understood because 1 Corinthians 1.10 tells us that we are to agree in what we say, that there should be no divisions among us, and that we are to be united with the same understanding and the same conviction. So if we start off not in agreement, we should work towards agreement in a humble, gentle, loving way, seeking to maintain the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Well, let's read our chapter today. Acts chapter 15, verse 1. Some men came down from Judea and began to teach the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom prescribed by Moses, you cannot be saved. After Paul and Barnabas had engaged them in serious argument and debate, Paul and Barnabas and some others were appointed to go up to the apostles and elders in Jerusalem about this issue. When they had been sent on their way by the church, they passed through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they brought great joy to all the brothers and sisters. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they were welcomed by the church, the apostles, and the elders, and they reported all that God had done with them. But some of the believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees stood up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. The apostles and the elders gathered to consider this matter. After there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said to them, Brothers, 
You are aware that in the early days God made a choice among you that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel message and believe, and God, who knows the heart, bore witness to them by giving them the Holy Spirit, just as he also did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now then, why are you testing God by putting a yoke on the disciples' necks that neither our ancestors nor we have been able to bear? On the contrary, we believe we are saved through the grace of the Lord Jesus in the same way they are. The whole assembly became silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul describe all the signs and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. After they stopped speaking, James responded, Brothers, listen to me. Simeon has reported how God first intervened to take from the Gentiles a people for his name, and the words of the prophets agree with this, as it is written, After these things I will return and rebuild David's fallen tent. I will rebuild its ruins and set it up again, so that the rest of humanity may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, declares the Lord, who makes these things known from long ago. Therefore, in my judgment, We should not cause difficulties for those among the Gentiles who turn to God, but instead we should write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from blood. For since ancient times Moses has had those who proclaim him in every city, and every Sabbath day he is read aloud in the synagogues. Then the apostles and the elders with the whole church decided to select men who were among them and to send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. Judas called Barsabbas and Silas, both leading men among the brothers. They wrote, From the apostles and the elders, your brothers, to the brothers and sisters among the Gentiles in Antioch, Syria, and Cilicia. Greetings. Since we have heard that some without our authorization went out from us and troubled you with their words and unsettled your hearts, we have unanimously decided to select men and send them to you along with our dearly loved Barnabas and Paul, who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we have sent Judas and Silas, who will personally report the same things by word of mouth, for it was the Holy Spirit's decision and ours not to place further burdens on you beyond these requirements, that you abstain from food offered to idols, from blood, from eating anything that has been strangled, and from sexual immorality. You will do well if you keep yourselves from these things. Farewell. So they were sent off and went down to Antioch, and after gathering the assembly, they delivered the letter. When they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. Both Judas and Silas, who were also prophets themselves, encouraged the brothers and sisters and strengthened them with a long message. After spending some time there, they were sent back in peace by the brothers and sisters to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas, along with many others, remained in Antioch, teaching and proclaiming the word of the Lord. After some time had passed, Paul said to Barnabas, Let's go back and visit the brothers and sisters in every town where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take along John, who was called Mark, but Paul insisted they should not take along this man who had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not gone on with them to the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed off to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed after being commanded by the brothers and sisters to the grace of the Lord. He traveled through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Amen and amen. Well, let's close with our memory verse for February, Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Well, friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Good day to you and Godspeed.